Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Again, we are almost done with our sermon series, First Timothy. Sound doctrine in the church. We are going verse by verse through this magnificent letter written from Paul to young Timothy at the time as he's pastoring the church in Ephesus. At this time, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we gather together this morning to worship you first and foremost. My prayer is that we continue to respond accordingly to who you have revealed yourself to be. Lord, as we now turn to the proclamation of your word, I pray that we allow your word to penetrate our hearts and guide us as we spend the rest of our time together this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Simple question, I want to throw it out there to you. Why is the world in chaos? I think most of us can look at this world and clearly realize that it is a chaotic world that we live in. But the question that we're going to be asking today is this, why is the world in chaos? Somebody yelled out, sin, you are exactly right. But before we get into the real answer that we know according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the National Intelligence Council, yes, that's right, the National Intelligence Council, short for that would be NIC, they actually provide long-term strategic analysis for the U.S. intelligence community. So every four years, they come out with an unclassified report predicting what the next 20 years will probably look like. I just want to go through just a few sectors that they actually cover, and I'm just going to read exactly what the most recent report has said. So just listen to these words of what our National Intelligence Council is saying is going to happen potentially in the next 20 years. As it pertains to population, they say this. This is their prediction. Major demographic shifts of global population growth slows in the world rapidly ages. Some developed and emerging economies, including in Europe and East Asia, will grow older, faster, and face contracting populations weighing on economic growth. As it pertains to the environment, the physical effects of climate change are likely to intensify during the next two decades, especially in the 2030s. More extreme storms, droughts, and floods, melting glaciers and ice caps, and rising sea levels will accompany rising temperatures. Economic trends, this is their prediction. Rising national debt and more complex and fragmented trading environment, a shift in trade and new employment disruptions are likely to shape conditions within and between states. Many governments may find they have reduced flexibility as they navigate greater debt burdens, diverse trading rules, and broader array of powerful state and corporate actors exerting influence. Their prediction as it pertains to technology... 
will offer the potential to mitigate problems such as climate change and disease and to create new challenges such as job displacement. Technologies are being invented, used, spread, and then discarded at ever-increasing speeds around the world, and new centers of innovation are emerging. As it pertains to society, the NIC predicts this in the next 20 years. Increasing fragmentation and contestation over economic, cultural, and political issues. As these trends plateau and combine with rapid social and technological changes, large segments of the global population are becoming wary of institutions and governments that they see as unwilling or unable to address their needs. Wow, they are predicting that the people are going to realize that the government can't provide all that they need and protect all of what they have as well. On the state level, what we see here in the United States, they're predicting this. They're predicting that relationships between societies and their governments in every region are likely to face persistent strains and tensions because of a growing mismatch between what publics need and expect and what governments can and will deliver. Again, the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Maybe we're just illiterate. Internationally, they say this, accelerating shifts in military power, demographics, economic growth, environmental conditions and technology, as well as hardening divisions over governance models are likely to further ratchet up competition between China and a Western coalition led by the United States. I can tell you why this world is in chaos. I mean, really, the only thing you have to do is read the report here that's unclassified from the NIC, right? No, 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 that's not right. We don't need this report to tell us why this world's in chaos. I'm going to go to Scripture. John 18, 37 states this. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Because Pilate's now talking to Jesus. Jesus responds by saying, you say that I am a king, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Again, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Brothers and sisters, this world is in chaos because this world is not of the truth. This world is in chaos because this world does not know the voice of Jesus. So are you ready then? Are you ready yourself to take on this chaotic world? You're already living in a world full of chaos. So are you ready to take it on? Are you ready to fight the good fight, and that is the title of our sermon this morning, The Good Fight. As stated previously, we are almost done with the book of 1 Timothy, this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Today we're going to be in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, specifically looking at verses 11 through 16. But before we do that, we need to remember that last week we recognized that in order for us to be truly content in life, true contentment in life only happens when we solely rely upon the Lord. We can do this by always being content with what the Lord provides for us, being content with His provision. 
And we can also do this by recognizing that those who love money consume, but are never satisfied. Because everything that we're about ready to discuss this morning is coming off the back of what was said last week. Remember verses 9 and 10, where Paul was very clear that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Today we're going to be encouraged to fight the good fight, which is achieved by being a reflection of the Lord Himself in this world. That's right. As we live in a chaotic world that's full of chaos, we can fight the good fight by being a reflection of who Jesus is. We can do this four ways. There's four ways that are clearly spelled out today from Paul to Timothy for us to do this. And before we get into the text, I just want to provide this one caveat. Paul's writing to Timothy, which means he's writing from one pastor to another pastor. But today we are looking at it from a different perspective because this is for us as well. We could look at this from a pastoral perspective, or we could look at this from a Christian perspective. So what Paul is writing to Timothy from one pastor to another pastor also pertains to the Christian themselves. So before we say any more, let's go ahead and get into this text and see these four ways in which we can fight the good fight. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. To, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we put them into this one simple sentence, and this becomes our main idea, and that idea states this. The man of God flees sin, pursues holiness, fights for the faith, and confesses Jesus as king. It is that simple. The man of God flees sin, pursues holiness, fights for the faith, and confesses Jesus as king. So as we look at verses 11 and 12, we come to that phrase that we've already stated, man of God. See, this was used in the Old Testament. This is the only time that we see this actually used in the New Testament, but it was used in the Old Testament quite a lot. And really, this is directed towards Timothy when Paul's saying this. He's saying to Timothy, and this is the pastor-to-pastor relationship that we're seeing here. He's saying, Timothy, you need to be a man of God. See, in the Old Testament, man of God was used to describe somebody who was in a position to proclaim God's Word. But in the New Testament, it's really not any different because it's used to pertain to anybody who's going to preach 
God's Word. Now, some of you are saying, okay, all right, that's the pastor-to-pastor relationship, but where do I fit into this? Where can I find application from this? I'm not a pastor. Well, mind you, we all preach the gospel to ourselves every day. The first person you should always be preaching the gospel to is yourself. And you should be preaching the gospel to yourself as a man of God. This is the call of all Christians. However, these are specific definitions. And generally, all Christians are to be that man of God. So we need to understand that. And see, the word preach prepares us for good works because ultimately that's why we preach the gospel to ourselves. It's so we can prepare ourselves for good works. It's the reason why we sit and listen to the Word of God being preached, so we can be prepared to do good works. And we see this in the second letter to Timothy from Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 state this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, equipped for every good work work. Brothers and sisters, quite clearly this includes all of us. It is very, very clear from this. So the first thing we must do, if this pertains to all of us, out of the four that we've mentioned, if you want to fight the good fight as a man of God, there are four things that you can do that are clearly spelled out here by Paul. The first thing you can do is flee from sin. But what does he say? Flee these things. Well, what are these things? Well, it's everything that we've just discussed prior to. It's everything that we saw from the beginning of chapter 6. We need to be fleeing from sexual sin. We need to be fleeing from idolatry. We need to be fleeing from what we saw in verses 9 and 10. We need to be fleeing from the love of money. All three of which keep this world spinning in chaos. Again, the atheistic NIC on technology alone, what did they say about technology? They said, technologies are being invented, used, spread, and then discarded at ever-increasing speeds around the world, and new centers of innovation are emerging. Just maybe, just maybe, in order for us to even begin fleeing from sin, it may just require us to put our phones down. Just maybe you need to put your phone down. Maybe you think you're fleeing from sin, but by the fact that you're still glued to that little device that leads you to sin, you may not be fleeing. That may just be the first step for some of us. Not saying that's true of all, but quite clearly, even the NIC realizes that technology is becoming a problem. Secondly, what we can do is this. We must pursue holiness. Paul lists six virtues of holiness right here in the text. What does he say? He says, pursue righteousness, godliness. We do this with our inward behavior coming outward. What motivates us inwardly should be revealed to others outwardly. If we're motivated by the gospel, if our motivating factor is the gospel, others should see that outwardly with us. In our outward behavior, we should do this with pure motives. 
Brothers and sisters, if you generate your own morals in life, because that's really the problem with most people, they believe that they are the generator of their own morals themselves. If you believe that your morals come from you, basically what you're doing, you're contributing to the chaos of this world. Because then there's no standard. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. But what is the standard? We do not determine the standard. Morals do not begin with us and end with us. Because if that were the case, what I may think is wrong or right may be different from what you think is wrong or right. What we're seeing here in this chaotic world is that we need a standard and we need to fight this good fight that we're talking about. We need to be a man of God, but we are only able to do so if we understand the standard of the gospel. And understand that morals come from God, not man. The Lord is the one who has created morals and put them in our heart via His Spirit. He is the standard, not us. Morals are just that. God's standard, not ours. Again, the atheistic NIC on society says this, there's going to be increasing fragmentation and contestation over economic, cultural, and political issues. See, this is what happens when morals are individualistic. When we determine what's right and wrong, we contribute to the confusion. We also pursue faith and love, as it says here in the text. We choose to trust in God for everything. Everything. Jesus tells, tells us in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, this. He says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We also pursue steadfastness and gentleness. See, the goal is to remain obedient with kindness towards others. This world is chaotic because it's a to each their own society that we live in. But we need to display obedience to the Lord by being kind when we interact with others. Again, everyone who is of the truth, what? Listens to my voice. We listen to the voice of Jesus because we are of His truth. And our job is to display that to a world who doesn't know who Jesus is. Now thirdly, what we can do to fight the good fight is actually fight the good fight of faith. Right here in the text, it's our sermon title's namesake. By fighting the good fight, fight of faith, we are able to be a man of God in this chaotic world. One commentator says this, I, I think that this is quite remarkable because it is so true, so true, was in a discussion this morning about spiritual warfare. We are not at war against flesh and blood. We are at war with the spiritual realm. There is a whole entire realm of spiritual beings that we can't even see. 
But yet we go on and on about aliens and UFO sightings, and yet we're ignorant to the spiritual realm. One commentator said this, and I think this is so interesting, and as it pertains to fighting the good fight of faith, listen to this. Being a spokesperson for God calls a man into warfare. Why is the world in chaos? This world is in chaos because the chaos is a byproduct of the warfare that's going on. There have always been physical wars on earth. There have always been spiritual war pertaining to the material world that we live in. Warfare happens because there's good and there's evil. And like Jesus says, we obey His voice because we know His truth. We are, as He says, of the truth. If you're wondering how you'll fight the good fight of the faith, it's actually simple. I mean, we're not expecting you to go out there and, and become a kung fu fighter. That's not the whole idea here. I mean, if some of you want to do that, that's fine. You might receive some training in, in the process, but as it pertains to actually fighting this spiritual warfare that we are in the midst of, it's really simple. Flee sexual sin, flee idolatry, flee the love of money, and pursue holiness. If we can keep ourselves from those things, we are fighting the good fight of faith. Brothers and sisters, fighters also must know and study their opponent. It's not wise for a fighter to show up unprepared. A fighter who's ready to step into the ring has trained himself or herself or whatever it may be. Will train through conditioning, through proper nutrition, will also study their opponent's tendencies, their strengths, their weaknesses. So when they get into that ring, they can bob and weave, bob and weave. They can block. They can go on the offensive when they need to go on the offensive. It wouldn't be wise to just get into the ring without any proper training. We are doing the same each and every day. We need to bob and weave with this world, but we need to study this world to know what it is that we're up against. And we don't study so we can puff up with knowledge and then prove somebody wrong with what we know is going on politically. We don't change that game. We study what's going on in this world and then compare it to what the gospel says. We take what's going on with what we see each and every day in this world full of chaos and then compare it to why Jesus did what He did, why Jesus is who He is. Why He chose to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die a horrific death, to be buried and then risen from the grave so we can have an eternal relationship with Him. We take what we see in the world today and compare it against that. So I'm all for us knowing what's going on in the world. I'm not about us being ignorant. 
But what's our motivation in so doing? It should be so we are training ourselves to fight the good fight. If we're doing it for any other reason, it no longer is the good fight. It's the opposite. It's the wrong fight. It's the bad fight. It's the fight we should have never been in. But we're all being called to fight the good fight so we can step into the ring and bob and weave for the purpose of being a man of God so others can look at us and say, something's different. Something's different. What's different? What's different is the Lord should be working in us for others to see so they know it's not us. It can only be Him. And that is who we proclaim. Compare and contrast the gospel to the world's population, because that's really what the NIC is doing. They went through the list. Compare and contrast the gospel to the environment, to economics, to technology, to society, and to the political climate. Everything that we see should be through the lens of the gospel first. Gospel first. This world is in chaos because it's temporal. It's only temporary. Some of us know a thing or two about that more so than others. One thing I can say in my 40 years on this earth is that decades now go faster than what they used to. And I just heard Kathy Allen say, oh yeah, because she knows. And I know tomorrow I'm going to wake up and be Kathy's age. She's double my age. I don't mind saying that. I'm proud to say that. Some people would say never ask a lady what her age is or reveal it to others. She doesn't care. I'm proud to say that because she's walked with the Lord trying to fight that good fight each and every day being a man of God. For over 80 years in her life, she has experience that she can share with us. This world is temporary. Life is short. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. That's why, first and foremost, when we just look at things that are going on in this chaotic world through the perspective of the gospel, it's really easy for us to say, have it. Take it. Because my home is not here anyway. I don't get into relationships for the temporary. I get into relationships for the eternal. I get into forever relationships True Christian fellowship creates forever relationships. We got it so backward. We got it so backward. We say idiotic things like, this is my wife and I's forever home. I mean, are you, like, serious? Like, people hit, like, the age 30 or 40, and they get that last final house, and all of a sudden becomes their forever home. If that's your forever home, I got some news for you. I mean, even the NIC knows things aren't going well. Even they know it's not going well. Us, those of us who are of the truth, oh, we know it's definitely not going well. But we're okay with that. We're okay with that because we know the eternal. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has called us to eternity. And this world is in chaos because... It's temporary. This world's losing, and it knows it's losing, and it's scrambling, trying to do everything it can. This world's trying to throw that last Hail Mary pass to win the game. It's not going to work. 
And that's the reason why when we see what we see happening and answers to problems, they aren't genuine answers. The problems are not really being addressed because according to the gospel, when we look at this chaotic world as a man of God fighting the good fight, what we understand is, and until you address the sin issue, the problem will never be resolved. Once you address the sin issue, you have resolved the problem through the work of Jesus and our faith in him. Therefore, it is cured through our eternal life that's yet to come. That is our hope. The fourth and final thing that Paul tells Timothy that he must do in order to fight the good fight, and it's true for us too, we must stand firm in our public confession of who Jesus is. Jesus is king. Another discussion that got brought up this morning, Jesus can be brought up to a Muslim you can mention Jesus as a prophet, as a, as a good man, but the minute you mention Jesus as God himself, a Muslim's going to take issue with you. But Jesus can only be king with a capital K. He can only be the king of kings because he is God himself. Verses 13 and 14 in our text says this, Christ Jesus, who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. That's the good confession. Again, John 18, 37. Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Brothers and sisters, these four things that we see Paul addressing this morning, this is how we, as it says in our text this morning, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why must Jesus appear again? Why is it that Jesus is coming back? Why do you think that Jesus is going to return yet again? I'll tell you why. Because this world is in chaos. Verses 15 and 16, which he will display at the proper time. See, this refers to when Jesus will establish his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. If you think this world is in chaos now, I mean, if we think that this world is bad now, just think about what it will be like the seven years prior to him establishing his kingdom for a thousand years. How chaotic do you think this world will be prior to? According to Scripture, it's going to be pretty darn chaotic. In fact, it'll probably be beyond what we would even consider to be chaos. We're talking about the rapture. Brothers and sisters, us, of the truth, who know the voice of the Lord, who obey His voice, we are going to be spared. What a relief. But not even spared from seven years. Seven years is seven years. What is seven years to all of eternity? We're being spared eternal destruction because of our faith in Jesus. 
And the Lord is calling us to fight the good fight and be a man of God so we can share that truth with others. If we're not about that work now, what makes you think, or what makes us think we would be about that work in eternity? If you don't care about fighting the good fight now and being a man of God now, you will never be one in eternity. Again, we fight and we train. Everything that we're doing here in this temporal world has everything to do with our eternity to come. We fight the good fight alongside, as it says here, the King of kings and Lord of lords, brothers and sisters, against the backdrop of this world in chaos. Be a man of God. Jesus is going to battle with us, alongside us, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords. Be confident to fight the good fight. Because the Lord alone, as it says in our text this morning right here, it says, the Lord alone has immortality. What else does it say? It says, He dwells in unapproachable light. He is the one no one has ever seen or can see. So, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Again, for one final time, our main idea stated that the man of God flees sin, pursues holiness, fights for the faith, and confesses Jesus as King. Let's pray. Lord, as we depart here this morning, I pray that we can continue to posture ourselves in a position to be held accountable by Your Word. That we can go forward with Your truth And you can use us to be disciples who make disciples so we can see others come into a forever relationship with you. We pray these things in the name who has made all of it possible, Jesus himself. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.